Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Today is Thursday, April 14th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 456, featuring the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn, is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. All right, here we go. You know, finally, after just months of being excited about this very moment, so much, you know, the Celtics, the best defense in the NBA, a top 10 offense overall, best offense in the league over the last couple of months. And will they, can they beat the upper echelon teams in a playoff series? What everybody's been wondering. Now we're going to find out because we basically have a conference finals level matchup in round one, Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets. The energy has shifted. And it all begins Easter Sunday. Welcome in Celtics Speed, Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, and this week's special guest, Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe, rocking a sick hoodie. We were just talking about it off air. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm good. Good. Good to have you here with us, obviously. I'm sure it's a chaotic time of the year for, for you, your uh, your brethren on the beat. You were just in Brooklyn, obviously, keeping an eye on the Nets in that play-in tournament game against the Cavaliers. Before we get into all things Celtics, just because obviously you were on scene there for that play-in game, any, you know, did you come out with, with any main takeaways beyond, like, we went into it, I'm sure you fell in line with the rest of us, Brooklyn's going to win this game. It was closer than maybe a lot of people expected. Neither team played particularly well. Did you come out of that thing feeling any differently than you felt going into it? Well, I felt like the Nets played one really great quarter. It was the first where they were up 40 to 20. And then after that, there was times where I felt like they lost interest in the game. Uh, it looked like they just they just stopped playing. They stopped playing defense. Now, they weren't terrible, but they did it just enough to win. And I think that that's the Brooklyn team that we've seen the Indiana game to end the season. Like Indiana had absolutely nothing to play for. And this, they pushed this to the nets to the final two minutes. Right. Um, and the Cavaliers were just very flat. I mean, they missed open shots. I think I had it where a Markinen, Osman, and, oh, boy, oh, Levert were, like, a combined nine for 33 from the field. Hmm. And those are, like, your four main guys along with Darius Garland. Garland was good, but he got really no help. And still, um, they had a chance to win the game. I mean, and they went down to – it was a couple of, like, um, 
you know, possessions. And I think they were down six and marketing took like a rush three pointer. And then I think the, the Nets came back and hit a three. So it was nine or something like that. It was one of those like real pivotal moments where, you know, it could have been a really a one possession game in the last minute, minute, two minutes. And instead it was nine or eight. Um, so I felt like you saw the best of the Nets and the worst of the Nets in the same game. Like, um, you know, you saw them, Kyrie hitting his first 12 shots. You saw KD distributing the ball and hitting those jumpers. Bruce Brown, you know, uh, running the floor, dunking, hitting threes. But Bruce Brown was also eight for 19. I mean, he didn't, he had, he didn't have a great offensive game. He just shot a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Andre Drummond was good, but he only played 19 minutes. Um, you know, so they were they were a very flawed team, but obviously with those two guys, uh, and we don't know the health of Seth Curry. Seth Curry played 34 minutes and didn't score. Hmm. I've never seen that before, but they looked like a team that feels good about itself and can is capable of playing good basketball, but for, for how long? I don't know for how long. Can they prolong that for 48 minutes? Can they take that that's what I wasn't sure about and it wasn't like Cleveland was um a juggernaut like they messed around with the game and almost lost it well I'll tell you what I mean if if there's a team that's feeling good about itself obviously and we'll get to those flaws of the Nets it is the Celtics you know you've been talking to uh, the players head coach Emei Odoka and just you know listening to these guys and in recent weeks as they've ramped up toward the postseason, even without a healthy Rob Williams right now. And we'll get to that later in the show as to our expectations. Will he, won't he return this Celtics team? It's just, it's so different from when we were talking about this matchup a year ago at this time, right? I mean, you've got a a Celtics team that again, top defense, top 10 offense and offense is playing even better in the top 10 level, quite frankly, of uh of late you've everybody for the most part aside from rob is healthy you know unlike last year where you didn't have Jalen, you didn't have rob too much kemba went down it was a you know a, a fractured celtics team that was leaning heavily heavily you know uh, too much on on jason tatum after his 50 piece against washington in the play-in game you know they had to you wrote about this they had to take the brooklyn route of this year last year and these two teams have basically switched sides you know the nets have a terrible defense, you know, mediocre, bottom third in the NBA. They obviously have two of the best players in the world in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but they're very top-heavy. We don't know if we're going to see Ben Simmons. You don't have a guy who I think is very valuable in Joe Harris. You know, the everything after KD and Kyrie is, is you know, it's there are question marks, as you outlined before. It's just, it's not nearly as deep a roster as what you have for Boston. Of course, you have home court advantage for the Celtics. They took three out of four from them during the regular season and they're favored in most places to win this series. Nets are favored in some, but most places have the Celtics favored to win this series. So teams flying high, Gary, the, the fan base is flying high. You had Chris Forsberg, NBC sports, Boston on this show last week saying, if this is the matchup, C's are going to roll the nets Nets stink. This is going to be easy. What's your view? I mean, what's your early prediction here? No, it won't be easy. You're talking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You're talking about a bunch of prideful guys in that locker room. And you can really go only go off one game. Remember, the Nets came to Boston and beat the Celtics up early with Harden, and they played well, and the Celtics weren't ready for that game. The other two victories in Brooklyn, the Celtics were – sorry, the, Brooklyn, the Nets were really shorthanded without Durant. 
So you can go off that last game about a month ago, so ago, at 126-120, where Tatum had 54 and Durant at 37. That was a very highly competitive game. You know, now things have changed for the Nets since then. But Marcus Aldridge played a pivotal role in that game. He did, he did not play the other night. I think he, he's out of their rotation. Um, you're trying to figure out the health of a guy like Seth Curry. Is he going to be ready? Patty Mills has been really streaky up and down. Um, you know, it, it all depends. Like Andre Drummond now, obviously a big factor in the paint and, 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 and Claxton, you know, as his backup. So they're a different team. Um, I think they're a formidable opponent because of their veteran experience. You know, Goran Dragic has given the Celtics fits over the years, right? Uh, just with his craftiness, he's left-handed. It's like they don't scout that he's left-handed and, he'll, you know, they let him go left instead of in, in guard him to go right. He's given Marcus Smart trouble over the years. Um, so you never slam the door on a team with veteran experience, championship pedigrees, and say that you're going to sweep them or it's going to be a, a cakewalk. No, nothing like that. I don't think so. I think game one is critical to take. You don't want to give them any momentum. You try to get this in six. If you can get it in five, that's great if you if, if they lay down. But I don't see the Manettes laying down or Durant and, and Irving not being 30 points per game. You know, uh, you know, Kyrie, I said before, hit 12, his first 12 shots the other night. Uh, well, fasting. Yeah, Durant is Durant, right? Um, he can score in his sleep. So, no, this will be a, a difficult series. Do I think Brooklyn's on the level of Milwaukee, Miami, and, and even Philadelphia? No, I don't. Um, I do think they're flawed. I do think they have some problems. Um, I do think the defense is an issue. I do don't think they're healthy. I think they got too many old guys in their team, but they can still win a game or two. And then if you get to six or seven, who knows what could happen, right? Remember the Celtics were supposed to run past the, the Cavs and LeBron and they're up three, two, and they blew that series a few years ago, you know, because Jeff Green stepped up and played out of his mind. So, <laughs> you know, you memories. just, yeah, you don't want to ever, yeah, you don't ever want to, slam the door on a team like that. I think this will be a very difficult series. I think that Kyrie and Kevin Durant both have something to prove. Kyrie is, you know, uh, wants to obviously show Boston for whatever issues he has with the city and the fan base. And then Durant is, you know, 33. He'll be 34 in September. Um, He still wants to show he's the best player in the world, you know, especially with Tatum on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Jalen Brown. So if you're those guys have all the motivation and they're underdogs and they have a coach who feels like, Hey, I can, you know, you know, Nash is a guy who feels like he can out coach anyone um, and has, has the tools to do it. So uh, it's going to be, I think a grueling series. I don't know if it goes seven, um, but this is not a cakewalk. This is not like I say, people are looking at like Milwaukee, Chicago, or, Phoenix and whoever the heck they play San Antonio, sorry, uh, New Orleans, or, you know, in the first round, New Orleans or the Clippers in the first round, you know, like, or you look at a series, you're like, ah, okay, that's five. That's going five. I just don't see, I don't see it that way. So it, it sounds like, and Evan, I'll let you go in a sec here too. And obviously I, I want this, uh, this answer from you also for me. And I, I was saying this to somebody, you know, on, on the radio yesterday, for me, it's a, it's a Celtics in, in six is, is how I feel going into this. It sounds like, 
that's where you are as well. Are you, are you on the record with a prediction to this point? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think you got to you got to give the Celtics the edge in the series. I think they're playing well. Uh, they finished the season playing well. They did. They didn't. They lost two games in a row once in the last three months, and that was that Toronto game where they could have won, mm-hmm. right? And then the Miami game where they kind of slipped in the fourth quarter. Um, but they're going to need to prove it. Then, I mean, you know, Brooklyn's going to have some defenses for for Tatum. Other guys are going to have to step up. They're going to need something from Peyton Pritchard. They're going to need something from Tyson Horford. Like, they're not going to just walk through the nets. I just don't understand. This is not – if you're playing Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland Celtics in five. If you're playing Chicago, Chicago's down right now. But Brooklyn's a team with two Hall of Famers, at least. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows at the end of the bench when you talk about Blake Griffin or, uh, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge or whatever. Yeah, Patty they Mills, don't matter right now. Yeah, Patty Mills could get it going. Patty Mills is, 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 a, is a streaky shooter who can hit six, seven threes in a game. Seth Curry can hit drain jumpers easily. So this is a team to, 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 to prepare for, to be very aware of, and no, do not look forward to the second-round matchup against potential matchup against Milwaukee. Leave that for when this series is over. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of agree with everybody's sentiment of Celtics in six, and I think what people don't realize, because they're so accustomed to regular season basketball, that, like, when the chips are really uh, are down and, you know, things are, are getting a little tight, Kevin Durant's going to shoot the ball a lot more. Like, I don't think people think about that when it comes to, you know, the end of games. Like, when Durant feels like he needs to take the game over, he's going to take the game over. And there's not too many people in basketball that can stop him from taking the game over. It's the same thing with Giannis. Like, Giannis is terrifying because at any point, Giannis can just take the ball. If he gets three steps, he's going to dunk the ball or go to the free throw line. So it's like one of these things where, you know, Boston's good as an isolation defense. They've been one of the best isolation defenses in the league this year. And they're going against a team that's really heavy in isolation and have two of the best isolation scorers in the league right now. So it's it's not going to – I'm with I'm with Gary on this. I, I, I do like Boston in the series, but I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch. I think there are points in the game where it'll be it'll be easy and you know if you go back to that Cleveland game you know when Durant wasn't on the floor um things got a little haywire and you know and Kyrie kept him you know uh, not a flow kept him you know within good distance uh, because he was having an outrageous first half and he was he had a couple shots where you're like yeah Kyrie and like one other person on earth can hit that shot it's not too many guys that can so you know when it's it's uh, to me it's it's and it's like this with a lot of other teams too and I think Boston probably falls into this trap as well but you know what can Boston do to Brooklyn when Kevin Durant is on the floor how do they win those minutes how big of a gap can they create because Durant's going to probably need to play heavy minutes Kyrie's going to have to log heavy minutes in this series Boston might not have to do that as much they have better depth but like Kevin Durant is unbelievable. So even if he's playing 40 minutes a game, you know, that's still going to be a problem for Boston. It's just a matter of how do they win the minutes when he's not on the floor. And I, in you know, I think Boston's equipped to win this series. I would love to have Rob, obviously, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, because defensively, they just unlock a couple other things that they can't do without him. I and mean, I think they're still good without him. But, you know, Gary, I ask you in terms of like, where is the biggest advantage for Boston in this series? Is it their depth? Is it the fact that they're young and can run? We saw when Cleveland finally got out in transition, um, you know, what was it? Today's Thursday. Was it Tuesday night? I forget what day it is anymore. When they finally got out in transition and got to run, you know, Brooklyn had some hard times, you know, stopping them from getting to the paint and getting to the rim. And so, um, I mean, Karis LeVert missed how many shots at the rim in that game? It was driving me crazy. But so is it, is it their young legs, their coaching? Where do you see the biggest advantage for the Celtics in this series, Gary? Well, Evan, I, I see, uh, one, you know, their ability to defend. 
uh, as a real advantage because Brooklyn is not a great defensive team. I mean, Kyrie tries on defense, but he's not a great defender. Kevin can be an impact defender at times. Andre Drummond uh, will gobble up rebounds, but in the pick and roll, he's not necessarily good. But I think the defensive side of the ball is where the Celtics have the advantage and also the, the fresher, younger legs in terms of having um, guys who are, but also, you know, young, but also veteran playoff savvy. Two Eastern Conference finals for, for, um, for Jalen, one for Tatum. I mean, or sorry, two, I'm sorry, two, three for Brown, two for Tatum. Um, and cause I forgot about the bubble and, yeah. uh, you know, How you, you had you were trapped there for two. Yeah, months. I was there. I was there. That's funny. <laughs> I'm trying to black it out. I understand courtside <laughs> for that courtside for that series. Um, so what you're what you're looking at is they have the youth, they have the depth, but they also. But I'm a little concerned about the lack of like you know Pritchard and you know Horford, like those guys stepping. I'm not saying they're going to choke, but just saying like stepping up to the moment and making those plays, getting that rebound, not letting, you know, because I said this, like Irving and Durant combined for 59 points, but they had 24 assists in that game. If they go both, like each have double-digit assists and they both score 30, that's trouble, right? Like, you know, even though it was a tough game, they both are doing everything. They both were playmakers. You don't want to turn – you don't want Kyrie to be a scorer and a playmaker. Just have him be a scorer. The same with Durant. But I think the Celtics' advantage is their youth, their defense, and then they have two guys that the Celtics. I mean, the Nets can't really guard. I mean, who's going to guard Tatum? Okay, Bruce Brown can't guard everybody, right? Bruce Brown is is a plus defender, but he can't guard everybody. James Johnson, I thought, was a, a handy player, but they got rid of him to make room for Kessler Edwards who's now in their rotation, Kessler Edwards just looked, it looked like he was above. I, I, I noticed him. He got, he got five open shots. He missed all five. He had four open threes. He missed all four of them. Hmm. So like if they put him in the game, the Celtics I'm, I'm sure are going to be like, go ahead have at it. Kessler. He's a rookie from Pepperdine, you know, um, you know a little bit of a step up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, this is not the WCC. So like, but he's in their rotation, um, you know. So I, I think the Celtics have the depth and have the the youth, the depth, and I think they have kind of a, a, a kind of a chip on their shoulder in terms of what happened last year, losing in five, um, Kyrie stepping on the logo, the, you know. Like, and remember, there was that you know one play where. Uh, Durant got under Tatum and almost, you know, hurt his yeah. knee and Durant, like there's some, there's some issues. I think, you know, like the, the Celtics want to play the nets. Like, I think they want to shut them up. I think they want, I think people are tired. I think they're tired of hearing about Brooklyn. Well, I, I, like they, what, you know, I like that Tatum's going right. Like they're going to get a chance to go right after the, like Tatum's been very complimentary, obviously of Kevin Durant ever since he's been in the league. Mm. And the fact that he can, he can take out Durant in a series, I think is actually, quite attractive. I think it's actually been um, sort of a nice addition to Tatum's just demeanor. And I'm not saying he didn't have that before, but he's just way more vocal about it now. And it seems like he's, he acts a little bit tougher on the court. And the the fact that he can go after one of his idols and eliminate him and end his season, I think he's taking a little bit of pride in that or a little bit of, 
And I think everybody's taking a little, not just Tatum, but I think, I think it's, you know, smart obviously is Ben and Ben is the longest tenured Celtic. He's been through some stuff, Like they, they definitely want to end this team's season for sure. I love that. Well, so I was yeah. just going to say, I mean, I think like this is the matchup that, you know, I, I know it's a, a lot of care for what you wish for. And, and that goes for Brooklyn as well with the, we want Boston chance the other night, but it's just like, this is the matchup you wanted. If, if you're, if you're a fan of sports and you're, you're a fan of narratives and, and obviously you're a diehard Celtics fan. I get there's the, the fear element of, of Durant and Kyrie wiping you out. Like I, I get it. I mean, I, I get the two sides of my brain too, but you look at this and you, everything that, you know, you guys have both been saying, whether it's, you know, Jalen and, and I know he wasn't available last year, but still he wants to go at Kyrie. So you have Jalen and Jason and Marcus and all these guys looking for revenge for last year. Tatum looking to show that he's on that same level with with KD in particular and to do it on this stage. And obviously that, you know, you hit on it before, Gary. You got the the logo stomping, sage spreading hypocrite and Kyrie Irving that everybody from Boston would like to send home and just be done with and end his season and have that last laugh after they go and build this super team. And I know it's like we're talking about this like this is an NBA finals matchup. It's just round one. But these are some of the mentalities that that Celtics fans certainly have, and and I'm sure plenty in that locker room have, and not to be understated either, you know, we haven't even touched on this, Ime Odoka, who was an assistant on that team last year, who gets to scheme up his old squad now, and many players that he's plenty familiar with. Yeah, that's a definitely a storyline there. He was an assistant under Nash last year, and obviously was part of that playoff series last year, and and this is when he may become gets to become that coach of the year candidate that people are talking about. Can he out scheme Steve Nash? Can they make this an easier series than it because of the coaching? Can they outmaneuver Brooklyn to whereas the Nets don't have an answer? And I think that, that you know, because obviously you're going to have two great players in, in Durant and Irving, and you're going to have guys, you know, like I think to be very fearful of, and Patty Mills and Seth Curry, you know, and even Andre Drummond at times. But, you know, can you take everything that they have and then still have an answer? Can you make this a series to where they run out of options? And that could be it. Now, if you look at that game, you know, the 126-120, I mean, that was just a back and forth, you know, guys going at each other, the Celtics, didn't play obviously great defense in that game. You know, Kyrie kind of ran out of gas in the fourth quarter, but LaMarcus Aldridge played a big part. Like there was, you know, but to me, I thought Bruce Brown was the key to that game. I thought he was very good for Brooklyn. I thought he was pretty good the other night, but I said the eight for 19, they give him a lot of scoring opportunities um, that he, that he tries to take advantage of. And I'm sure Ime is going to point to him and go, okay, we can't just let him make runs to the rim. We can't let him just get those little floaters or whatever. Like we've got to do something about him. So, you know, if you're a Celtic fan, you got to trust in the coach to see that, to know that he's going to make the necessary adjustments to ensure that the Celtics can win this series and not take, have it go to a seventh game. Yeah. he has got a Ime's got an opportunity to, to cash in on the quote from this this past summer with Team USA. They're going to lock Patty's ass up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. I can't wait to watch it. 
No, I, I was just going to say, we've been, you know, we've been saying like Evan and I and, and whomever the guests, like we, we've been on this for, for months on this show, you know, sort of previewing the, the potential of this playoff matchup. And one theme that we've continually come back to, maybe even last time you were on the show, Gary, we talked about this for all I remember, but the, you know, if you're going to get the Nets, like you probably have to go through the Nets at some point in time, you know, championship contender, obviously, if you're going to get the Nets, and a lot of this conversation at the time was predicated on, man, is Kyrie even going to be able to play in home games, obviously, how long before that changes? Clearly, recently, that has changed. But if you're going to get the Nets, is early the time to do it? Like, is 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 now the time to do it? Do you actually want them in round one? When, yeah, I know, like, you're short, you don't have Rob Williams, but everybody else is available, and maybe Rob does come back later in the series. Again, we'll talk about that later. But they don't have Ben Simmons, who at some point in time, depending on how long their playoff run goes, he could return. There are reports out there he could return as soon as Game 4. I'm not sure what you get out of Ben Simmons if he does return, but just in, sort of on the surface, if you want Brooklyn, is now a good time to get the Nets? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's an optimal time, but I do think that the Celtics feel comfortable enough in themselves to where it's like, bring them on. And Brooklyn's not playing great. They're playing better basketball. You know, they're beating the teams. They should beat the Clevelands twice. They beat Indiana. But, you know, they also lost. They lost. They looked terrible when they played at Atlanta about two, 10 days ago. Um, you know, the, the, they're a team that, you know, is – um, capable of greatness at times, but I just don't didn't see the consistency that I wanted to see from them the other night against Cleveland. They play they put up forty points in the first quarter. They everybody was oh this is the okay here we go, and then the next three quarters were kind of blah. And then first Durant had to yeah the, Durant had to come off the bench and hit two consecutive jumpers to extend the lead to ten to kind of put the game away where he should have been resting the whole fourth quarter. Um, you know, in the Cleveland, I said before, it had any shots, any any shots at the rim, any any jumpers besides Darius Garland, they would have had a real chance to win that game. So, you know, you can only go off what the history says. History says that the, the Nets are a good team, but not a great team. You know, with Durant, they're good, but also, I mean, he scored 55 that night that it, they lost at Atlanta. I mean, and they lost a the damn game, right? Um, so if you're, if you think, if you're the Celtics, you got to like your sh- chances because of the weaknesses and also uh, that, yeah, it's early. They don't have their playoff form yet. They don't have their rotations really down yet. Um, they've got to learn about, a lot about themselves over, over the first two games. Also, who can play, who's ready to play in this series, who's capable. Are they going to pull out LaMarcus Aldridge because he's a big who can score? Like, you know, who knows? I mean, Nash does have options, you know. They don't have great options, but, you know, you got Blake Griffin on the bench. You got LaMarcus Aldridge on the bench. So you you have options to whereas you could probably make an impact. So I think it's a good time to catch them. But I don't know if it's a, ever a great time to catch a team with two Hall of Famers on their, on their team. But I think now's, now's as good as time as any. Let's take uh, one quick break, tell you about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline, the number one source for all your sports betting and sports information needs. Of course, odds, info, everything available to you. You can find all the latest developments, sports developments and beyond, uh, including this week's odds for the Major League Baseball season. That's underway. You can get NFL futures, NHL Stanley Cup 
playoff futures, whatever it may be. Heck, as it relates to obviously the NBA and the playoffs in this series, we were talking about, all right, Celtics and whatever, you can get odds on all that too. Celtics in seven, for instance, plus 350. The Nets in six, plus 375. Where we stand, all of us, the Celtics in six, plus 525. So there's a lot of stuff that's available to you. A sweep, by the way, in either direction, plus 1,400. I don't see that happening, but those are the longest odds. Bet online, your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games and poker games as well. Super easy to get you started. Just join today. Go to betonline.ag. You can learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. The promo code CLNS50, BetOnline where the game starts all right we got to talk about rob williams obviously we've yeah. mentioned his name enough times now let's talk about the reality because Ime Odoka asked about him basically daily you've had you know brad stevens he was on the radio this morning as we sit here right now asked about it and he's you know working on his conditioning but he hasn't you know he's certainly not out there doing any sort of contact or anything like that i wrote this on twitter yesterday or the day before i'm, I'm paraphrasing my own tweet here but i kind of got killed for it by people gary who i think misinterpreted what I was going after, which was, you know, I wrote something to the effect of like, until we see Rob Williams on the floor, to me, he's out for the season. And that's not, I really believe he's out for the season, but you know, let's say he doesn't return round one and the Celtics don't make it through round one, then he is out for the season. You know what I mean? Like the way I'm looking at the Rob Williams situation, despite all of the optimistic reports, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski, he could return by game six. That's a month out from, from when the surgery was. I just think, and I, I know the Celtics feel this way, and I, I think fans feel this way, and maybe I just didn't word it right. Maybe it's on me, but I, I think it's just, you know, plan for what you know. And what you know right now is you don't have Rob Williams. And maybe he returns, and that would be great. And hopefully he's the exact same guy as before he went down. I don't know what he's, you know, what he looks like after a you know surgery to repair a torn meniscus a, a, a month later. But right now, I think you have to approach this series as the C's are. You know, much like Ime said, there's been no preparation for Ben Simmons. There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be any preparation for Rob being available in this series to me. And if I'm wrong about that, great. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – I think the, the, the positive news is, is that it sounds like it's not like major in terms of a tear. It sounds like he was able to make it out fine and that I don't think the Celtics are going to risk his health to throw him into a playoff series in game six. I think they're going to make sure he's sound. But I do agree. You can't bank on Robert to, to you know, to throw a cape on and swoop down and just land on the court at TD Garden for this series. I think he's not a guy who uh, is, is plays hard, plays through injuries. I mean, he's often injured, especially to his lower extremities. So I think they're going to take their time with him. But I also think they're getting indications from his workouts and from you know how he's bounced back that he could play. So I think do think there is hope. But yeah, I don't think. To sit, I think they've got to get used to life without him. And if he happens to start practicing sometime in the next week or two, or he's participating in full workouts, and who knows what he's doing now, the Celtics are not going to be, you know, I'm not saying they're going to lie or be dishonest, but they're not going to turn around and, and say, oh, yeah, he's full bore right now. Like they're going to play it cautiously. They're going to say he's going through one on one drills and, and, and non basketball. 
you know, basketball, one on, you know, one on zero, just taking shots and maybe, you know, doing some uh, weight bearing exercises on the knee to get it stronger, things like that. And I just, I think that you, you count on that as long as there's no setbacks. And I think the team on the cautious side, are, you know, would say if there were, because they don't want to have people thinking he's going to play and he's, he's not even close. Um, I think that there is hope, but I don't think you should hope for him in this series or expect him to come back for this series or even rush him back for this series. Let this team play as it is. You've got Al Horford. You've got Daniel Tice. Um, you've got the depth to do it. Concentrate on that. Try to end the series as soon as you can. Give more time off and then get ready if you win the series for Milwaukee. And then you're talking about, okay, Let's get Rob back for the Bucks. That's what I think the mentality should be. Um, I'm not hopeful he comes back for the series, not because I've got any inside information. I just think when you got a guy who's out with a knee surgery, you know, two, three weeks, I mean, this is not, you know, we dealt with, we saw with John Rondo come back from a dislocated elbow in the same series uh, several years ago. Like most guys aren't like that. You know, they're going to need time to train. They're going to need time to recover. They're going to need time to get over the pain. Uh, of it and the discomfort of the injury. So let Robert go through his process and we'll see Robert whenever we see him. Of course, you know, Bruce Brown thinks Al Horford and Daniel Tice are a joke. So not having Williams, I mean, is this, is this a problem? You know, to what degree is it a problem? Well, he obviously is a rim protector. And if you look at what he did last year in the Brooklyn series before, like the Nets adjusted, he was a big time rim protector in the first couple of games of that series itself, we just couldn't hit shots. I mean, Evan Fournier was terrible. Kimba was terrible. Um, Tatum got no help in that series in Brooklyn. I thought they had a chance to win one of those games, at least. I think it was game one where they played really well, but then Fournier and, and Kimba were just bad. And then Roberts, I think, had, didn't Robert have seven blocks in game one last year? I want to say. Yeah, seven. I mean, he was just, he was, Will Chamberlain out there. So um, <laughs> I do think it's a, it hurts. And I do think the Nets are going to challenge the interior and say, okay, what are y'all going to do? Tice, are you going to block this shot? Are you going to, what are you going to do? And then also you got to look at foul trouble. Tice, are they, it's a whole thing is let's get Tice in foul trouble. So now we're just dealing with like Grant Williams and Horford because Tice does have the propensity to pick up fouls. Okay. That's I think Tice has got to stay out of foul trouble. No two fouls in the first six minutes. No ticky tacks, and, and and he does not get the benefit of the officials' whistle. He gets a lot of calls as like, wow, he was just standing there. But you know they got to keep him on the floor because you don't want it just to go down to Grant Williams and Horford. You want Tice as a potential, also a potential rim protector. I don't think he's on the level of Williams. But I do think it's a concern, and I do think Bruce Brown let the cat out of the bag. Hey, we're going to attack. We're going to draw fouls, get to the free throw line, get those guys out the game and because they're soft now in the middle. Ed? Yeah, sorry. I was looking up to see if I could find that, that game log that Gary was talking <laughs> about in terms of, you know, game one, game two. I'm going back to that series now that I haven't pulled up. I might as well just tell everybody. I don't want to um, relive that series. Yeah, it was tough. And and Gary, you were a little off. Rob had nine blocks in game one. 
Be but better, Gary. To to his credit, uh, Kemba was a really rough minus 21 in 26 minutes. He was 5 of 16 from the field. Um, and Fournier minus 10. He was 3 of 10. I mean, they really, you know, Tatum had a tough game. He was 6 for 20, but got the line 11 times. He, you know, was the only guy really that had a, a real plus plus game besides Rob. So, but yeah, if you go back to that series, it's kind of, it's, it's just way different now in terms of everything set up. I actually, you know, Adam and I were talking this about pre-show. I think you, if I were the Nets, like I, I would, I would not feel comfortable about Ben Simmons coming back for this series. I was joking with Adam. Like, I think we'll see Rob Williams before we see Ben Simmons. I mean, Simmons coming off a, a back injury that has kept him out. And this is obviously a, a subject that's a little touchy in terms of what's kept him out this long. But the, the fact that he had an epidural not too long ago to relieve the pain in his back, um, he's still not doing anything but like one on zero. And, and then if you add in the, the fact that if he comes back, he has to guard Jason Tatum, which is like not easy. I, I think you'll probably, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, Gary, but I, I think you'll see Rob before you see Ben. I, I just don't understand how a guy who hasn't played, at least with Rob, but yeah, he's, he's been off for a few weeks, but at least he played basketball for six months. And at least he was playing, you know, in games and run up and down the floor. We haven't seen Ben Simmons in, in over a year, basically at this point. So. When it comes to, to to getting guys back, I don't think either team's going to have either guy back until at least game six. Um, you know, obviously with Rob, he unlocks a lot of stuff defensively for them. But I mean, I, I would have more faith in Rob Williams coming back and contributing in a positive way than I would over Ben Simmons. I mean, I'm not trying to dump on Simmons; he's a wonderful player when he's when he's healthy and out there. Um, but to ask him to come back and guard Jalen and Jason on the wing. For I don't even know how many minutes he's going to play. Never mind that. I've, if you look at the the lineups he's going to be with, like who's he going to play with? He's going to play with. You can't have him and Drum on the floor at the same time. There's going to be no floor spacing at all. You can't. You know, just dropping Ben Simmons into this series. I, I just don't think it's it's super viable right now. I, it, especially with the way we have no idea how this is going to shake out right now. But to, to, to expect him to be and to play at an All Star level, which they will need him to play at if they bring him back. Like that's asking, I think, for way too much out of Ben Simmons right now. Am I crazy? No, I wouldn't uh, count on him. I mean, you know, you hear certain things, but the fact is, like you said, he's had seven months off, um, you know, with the back and then also the mental health issues. Uh, he seems to be in a better place, obviously, mentally, but physically you, you're, you're throwing him into a playoff game. You're not throwing him into an early season game um, against, uh, you know, Washington. Like, you're literally throwing him into a game um, of the highest stakes. And I I don't think the Nets are going to risk that, um, knowing that he's there for the long term and he signed a long-term contract. So, I mean, and I don't know what he brings. He doesn't score. So, like you said, he's going to he's gonna shut somebody down. He's going to run the floor. Like, what do you – like, how is that going to go? Like, what is he exactly going to do when he can't score? It's not like, well, you know, he he's potential to drop 30. No, he can get 10 rebounds. He can, he can get maybe 10 assists. Um, what do you, how, like, do you put him through practices um, three or four and you'd say, okay, he's ready to go. Like, how does that go? And do you play him eight to 10 minutes, which I think you would probably would do something like that. Um I just think it's too experimental at this point to count on Ben Simmons. It's not like, well, he's ramping it up. He's been full five on five practice for two weeks now. He is ready. It's not 
like we haven't heard anything like that. So to throw him out there after three practices and go, okay, Ben, I think that could be a major mistake. I feel like Gary, I need to at least, you know, ask the question mainly because I'm getting texts left and right from buddies asking, you know, me versions of this question. It's not like, and we touched on this earlier, it's not like there's an overwhelming favorite in this series. You know, to many, it's basically a pick because, you know, how, how could you possibly be overwhelmingly confident going against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the other side? No matter how obviously well the Celtics have played, you still have a, a real two-headed monster there. If the Celtics should happen to lose this series, which again, I don't think would shock anybody. It'd be a, a real disappointment. I don't think it would shock anybody. If the Celtics do lose this series, regardless of the number of games, maybe it goes down to the wire in game seven. If they lose this series in light of the fact that on the last day of the season, you know, there was a confluence of events, but effectively they chose this path. You know, they could have avoided the Nets. They could have tanked that game. And I'm not faulting them, by the way. I'm glad they did what they did. But they chose this path. They chose this bracket. They basically chose Brooklyn in round one. If they lose... Is it a referendum on the season? Is the season a failure? Is the season a disappointment? Do you, does it alter, does a first round exit in light of everything that we just saw, second seed, 51 wins, top defense, top 10 offense, does it change for you the way you look at the year? Um, yeah, to a, to a certain extent, yes, because, you know, you've got all the great regular season numbers, right? And you look and you go, you go, wow, they're just, they're not around, they're gone. Um, so, yeah, I do think it would put a damper on this season. Um, but it also, I think it depends on the circumstances. If Irving and Durant just turn it into, you know, just put a 40 each a game and they just play this, odd, you know, then I don't think Celtic fans would be that upset about the loss. They might be upset about Well, but not- won't it then be, well, what happened to your league best defense? Why couldn't you continue yeah. those guys? No, they'll, they'll take – I don't think they'll be upset. I think that they'll be disappointed – but understand that one, um, no Robert Williams. Two, you probably have to strengthen the bench. I think they'll point to the team's weaknesses um, and say, "Okay, get okay, Brad, general manager Brad, bring on that third star." Or whether it be Bradley Beal or Zach Levine, I think it will put more pressure on this franchise to do make a major move in the off season if uh, they end up losing this because you know, they need star, they need, more, they need someone else. Um, but yeah, I think it, the repercussions could be very, very, you know, damaging in terms of the perception of the organization, because now people are start talking about the Celtics again as an Eastern Conference team, that's an elite team. And now if they don't win this series or whatever, I think people, will, you know, will, will say, well, well, I bet you we would have played better against Toronto we probably should have played Toronto. Uh, I think they'll have all types of scenarios, but that's the, the nature of Monday morning quarterbacking. That's the nature of social media. That's the nature of, you know, you're never going to be right. You know, you're never going to be right. I'm sure there's people that was like, no, I, I'm i sure there's Celtic fans saying, no, I would have rather played Toronto. In my personal opinion, I'd rather play Brooklyn. Um, having seen Toronto four times against this team, Everybody on that damn team is 6'9 and athletic and can defend. I think they're going to give Philly a problem, okay? So I think you want to see them four times. You want to see them for a seven-game series. Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, a rejuvenated Pascal Siakam, 
OG Ananobi. You want to see that guy running around chasing Jason? They, the Nets don't have OG Ananobi, right? <laughs> they don't have Scotty Barnes. All them dudes is 25, 21 to 25 or 26. And, you know, you want to see Van Vliet pulling up from, from 40 feet, swish, like, so you pick your poisons. So the Celtics pick their poison. I think they, I think you have to trust if you're a Celtic fan that the management and the organization is comfortable with this decision. And I think that now you can call them out if it doesn't work, but they did this with confidence, right? Um, so you, you have to trust, like maybe they know something we don't. We're not experts. We're not in the, in the room. We're not doing all the advanced scouting and the analytics. Maybe there's something that they know that we don't because not every, not every Celtic fan is a basketball expert. Believe it or not, you stop that right now. You know, uh, not, you know, so maybe you, <laughs> if, you, if, if I'm a Celtic fan or I'm part of the faith, you know, I would have to trust that the management knows something about this matchup that maybe I don't, or that will give them a distinct advantage over if they were to play Toronto. Because I've seen Toronto four times this year, and they are not a fun team to play. I don't know if you've seen them, how many times you saw the Raptors. They are not a fun team to play because all their dudes are all alike, except Van Vliet. All the, the, all the, have you, have you, what come in your head? Ananobi, you know, and Gary Trent and, and uh, Van Vliet, okay, they look a little different. Barnes, Ananobi, Siakam, Precious Achua, I mean, they all, they all look the same. They're all 6'9", rangy and can defend and shut down the paint. You want to face that or we want to face Andre Drunk? Yeah, never mind. And Nurse will come up with some like yeah. three or four defenses that you haven't practiced for. Like that's the thing. Yeah. That if I'm if I'm Philly, that's the thing that scares me. Is like th- there's going to be some stuff you haven't seen before that Nurse is going to throw out there, and it's gonna it's gonna make you think about stuff for a while, and then they'll go on their run, and, and that that's then you got to play. It, I Nurse to me, and I and I hate the antics, but I love the brain. The guy's got an um, amazing brain. I hate the fact that he whines about everything and is on the court half the time. But the guy knows how to coach and he knows how to muck the game up. And Toronto is very comfortable playing that way. They're very comfortable with it being a low scoring, you know, and, and Scotty Barnes, um, you know, plays everywhere. I mean, I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, in terms of like rookie of the year voting, you know, where everybody's at everybody. But the fact that Scotty Barnes plays point guard and center like Magic used to, it's like banana land to me. I don't have a vote, but if I did, he's got mine. He's amazing. Yeah, so – I think that if you have to trust the Celtics brass, that they know something that most common uh, fans or even passionate fans or those who do know the game very well don't know about this particular matchup. Well, not only that, they they just know, we're, we're not going to have a conversation about this, but also the medical staff knows some stuff that we don't know about that particular matchup, which is just, well, it's worth putting out there. They're just going to throw home court away though. Like yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll punt home court. Just to, to avoid the Nets, it just seems like a loser mentality to me. I mean, you you as I've been saying for the longest time on the show, you want as many games at home as humanly possible. Don't punt that away. That's something you earn. Like I was, I mean, I'm not surprised because Chicago has been you know struggling so much. But like 
just to punt, if just in case you make it to the next round, you're punting home court advantage. That's just tough. No, to it's true. I mean, would you? It's a rhetorical question. We all know the answer. But if you get through Brooklyn, would you rather have Game Seven with Milwaukee in Boston or in Milwaukee? You know, it's, it's pretty pretty clear. All right. Uh, well, I I want to end the show on on a high note, Gary, because my last question was kind of negative. So I want to end on a high note. If the Celtics win this series, as the three of us and so many people out there listening believe they will. Could there be something of a, for lack of a better way of putting it, a changing of the guard? You know, depending on what the Celtics do this season, I'm not even saying they win a championship, but, you know, they go on a nice run. You know, they they show that what they've got there, they're really building what we believe they're building. And Brooklyn is just such a great case study in the other direction. When you have, you know, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Goran Dragic, you know, guys like that. Are we going to start to see the guys like that seeking out teams like the Celtics instead of teams like the Nets, who again could totally reset with a healthy Ben Simmons next year. And everything I'm saying is, is, you know, moot, but, but could they reset or is the Celtics brand of basketball that is so heavily reliant on defense, so specific that certain guys, you know, certain like aging vets that aren't very good defensively. And, and, you know, you don't need their offense off the bench necessarily like, like need not apply. Like you're, you're not a fit for what we're looking to do here. But but are we going to start to see the Celtics be one of those teams that always get linked to guys on the buyout market the way we obviously did during the new big three era? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that uh, if they do win the series, I think that their perception does increase the, their their reputation. Um, they're approaching re- returning to maybe an elite status in the Eastern Conference because I mean right now Milwaukee is the Kings because they're defending champions. No, Miami is back. Philadelphia, we'll see what this happens with this series with Toronto. I think if they lose that series, there'll be a lot of changes potentially in, in Philadelphia, uh, including probably the head coach, um, if they do lose that series. So it could be a lot of issues going on in Philadelphia. And then, so I think you have to speak of the Celtics in that, you know, maybe a, a tad behind Milwaukee, because obviously Milwaukee defending champions, but uh, one of the competitors. And yeah, I do think that they don't look for these, you know, guys coming off big three rosters or whatever, you know, like they don't, they're not looking for, they're not padding their roster. The Celtics will never be a franchise as we've known to pad their roster with guys who used to be able to play. Like, you know, they'd rather pad their roster, you know, with what about Malik, Michael Finley. Yeah. With the Malik Fitz. <laughs> they'd rather pass the roster with Jawan Morgan and Malik Fitz and guys who have potential. And, and learn and, and, you know, that type of thing, as opposed to, you know, you look at the, the, the Nets roster and you'll say, you're looking at uh, Blake Griffin, who's totally out of the rotation or, or Aldridge or guys who, you know, want to jump on board or formerly DeAndre Jordan and those types of guys who want to jump on board and just be mm-hmm. part of a title team and play a role. Um, I, I think that the Celtics philosophy is like, we want to be young, we want to defend, and we want to teach guys, and we want to be able to shoot. So you get a guy like a Sam Hauser, you know, I think they made a mistake yeah. with Max Struess, where kind of they, you know, it was, you know, they Eric kept Taco. Yeah, they kept, exactly, they kept Taco, and they could have maybe kept Struess on a two-way or Tremont Waters. Like, that was a mistake, and they let, and Struess took, you know, he went to Chicago, he didn't make it there, and now in Miami, he's a, I think I voted him 
third place, like most improved mm -hmm. because he's, he's played such a factor for them. He starts over Duncan Robinson now. So I think the Celtics got Sam Hauser and said, okay, we're not making that mistake again. <laughs> we'll let Sam, we'll give him all the time he needs because he's a natural shooter. Let him shoot a thousand play summer league, shoot a thousand jumpers a day. And then we'll, he'll be, a, he'll be our Duncan Robinson. He'll be that guy who like, Oh God, now we got to guard him too. Um, Cause that's what Miami has done. Miami has brought up guys, Gabe Vincent, you know, you know, Strews, Duncan Robinson. That's what Miami does. I think they've taken more of that role as opposed to let's bring the old guy in his fort, you know, the Paul Millsaps, the, the guys in his 18th year who might have a little, I don't think that's going to be their philosophy at all. I think that it could be a change in the guard because I think the Nets are going to have to make some decisions in the off season, regardless of, okay, They've got a win now mentality because you got Kyrie and Durant and then healthy Simmons. How do you build around them? What kind of players do you put around them to make them a championship caliber team? And not just like a team with three superstars who are kind of old. Um, I think you applaud the Celtics management for Brad Stevens for clearing the decks on some of those, you know, guys, the Carson Edwards and the shimmies and the Tremonts and, you know, God bless taco, but just like, you know, just getting those guys other locations and where they maybe can flourish somewhere else and filling your roster with guys who can actually play or can learn how to play. And that's what you want to do. You don't want to be storing your roster with a bunch of old guys who are, who aren't, who are useless. Like, as I said, the Sam Howers thing is fascinating to me because he's a shooter. They had Struess in their grasp mm -hmm. and they, you know, and they basically said, okay, we'll take Javante Green, keep Taco and Tremont, and then Struess will release them. And obviously now that, that ended up being a mistake. So management has learned from those mistakes. And uh, you look at the roster and you feel good if you're a Celtic fan about the roster. But obviously they need – they could use another, you know, shooter. They could use another proven veteran, you know, and they'll figure that out. All right, well, finally – Playoffs are here, folks. It all begins Easter Sunday and then a long, long wait until game two on Wednesday. Two games in 15 days for the Celtics, as Sean Grandy tweeted out. Uh, this show, again, powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Get a 50% uh, sign-up bonus. The promo code is CLNS50. Uh, Gary, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for hopping on. Maybe we'll catch you again at some point during the playoffs, depending on how long this run goes. But uh, a lot of fun previewing this series. We'll see what happens. Thanks a lot, guys. Always, always fun. Always a pleasure talking hoops. And Gary, good part of the uh, he's he's out everywhere on the CLNS family yeah. and networks too on the <laughs> podcast all the time. You can check him out there. Gary Washburn, Evan Valenti. I'm Adam Kaufman. Let's make some noise if you're going to the garden, folks. We'll see you later.